everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Exploit It. I'm Alexis Chowski. And I'm picking up a bus and throwing it back down. Well, that is awesome. I'm Kevin Daly. And this week, our, our rape-free week. Yes! Yes, it is. <laughs> it's been a while. It has been. It's been at least a month. <laughs> we are talking about Gojira, a.k.a. Godzilla, 1954, directed by Ishiro Honda. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, it's alive! A gigantic beast, dotting the earth, crushing all before it in a cyclonic cavalcade of electrifying horror, raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Incredible titan of terror, wiping out a city of six million in a holocaust of flame. Jet planes cannot destroy it. Bombs cannot kill it. All modern weapons fail. Is this the end of our civilization? Can the scientists of the world find a way to stop this creature? For the answer, see Godzilla, king of the monsters. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. A tale to stun the mind. More fantastic than any ever written by Jules Verne. More terrifying than any ever shown on the screen. Awesome. Incredible. Unbelievable. A story beyond your wildest dreams. Dynamic violence. Savage action. Spectacular thrills. Godzilla, king of the monsters. Fantastic beyond comprehension. Gripping beyond compare. Astounding beyond belief. The mightiest monster of them all. See Godzilla, king of the monsters. And my first note is just, fuck yes. <laughs> uh, I, I love this movie. Not to say it here. <laughs> it's a really solid, solid film. Yep, and... Now, Guinness Book of World Records called it the longest-running film franchise in history. 54 to present, I guess. When was the yeah. last one? Like 2019 or something? Yeah. Well, there's a new one coming out in 2024. Oh, yeah. The, the MonsterVerse stuff, right? Yeah. 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 But then, if we include that, King Kong would be the longest-running film franchise because that started in the 30s. You're right. That's yeah. a good point. Not nearly as many movies in that series, but you're correct. So, Shiro Honda had a huge career. He was buddies and learned with the great Akira Kurosawa. Directed his first film in 1949 across every genre, but he's like the father of kaiju. He, he did, uh, let's see, Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, Godzilla vs. King Kong, Ghidra, Destroy All Monsters, which is amazing. And then... I, I like uh, Mothra. Mothra's my favorite of uh, of this, this universe. Yes. We will be eventually be doing Mothra. I love that. Mothra, so... I just, I love the Mothra movies. But after Terror of Mechagodzilla, which was the last film of the Showa era, he decided he was going to retire. And then Akira Kurosawa was like, no, don't retire. Work with me. Be my right-hand man. And for the rest of his career, he was like Akira Kurosawa's right-hand man, which is, a, is good. What a career. Yeah. Yep. So the, uh, the movie itself begins with just white credits on a black screen and the friggin' amazing soundtrack the Godzilla theme. Yeah. It, um, and I was wondering, and I, I'm sure they do. Does Japanese have different fonts like uh, like uh, the Latin alphabet does? 
They do, yeah. Because the the font for this, the characters look more aggressive than I've seen some Japanese text written before. <laughs> I like it. I was digging it. It's like that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's such a it's such a pretty written language. I mean, you can see it, but when you have it like big letters, because in the in the intro, it's just huge letters, and it's just like, man, that's a that's a pretty language. That theme song, though, Godzilla's theme song. I joked about like, I want this to be my wedding song if I get married again. I want to walk down the aisle to this song. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, you can convince your partner to do that. <laughs> I'd have to find a partner first. Yeah, <laughs> details, details. So the thing is, this movie, and why we're doing the Japanese version instead of the the American version of the same film, the American version is awful, and I'll tell yeah. you more at the end. That's the one I had seen before, I think, because I remember the random white dude in that, which was obviously not in this movie. Oh, I tried watching it last week, and I just couldn't. It offended me to my very essence. But this is nine years after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yeah, think think uh, for for the American audience, think of uh, basically a movie being made in 2010 that references stuff that happened on September 11th. Yeah, pretty much. It's and this movie, it's fresh in the minds of the audiences and the filmmakers, and they are yeah. clearly talking about that. Yeah, it is very very fresh in the minds of. Of everybody involved in this. In fact, there's a character later on that even, like, mentions it. <laughs> but so we get a boat that's called the Aiko Maru that's out at sea, and it's just destroyed. Um, Maru, by the way, means boat. So all the boats in, like, Japan, they're just something Maru, like Kobayashi Maru. The Star Trek thing, yeah. Yeah. Just, just boat. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have another boat in this movie called the Bingo Maru. Oh, jeez. Kobayashi is a, a name, right? Like, I don't actually... I'm not a big trick guy, so I don't really know... I think it's a name, mind. yeah. I think it's a person's name, right? Yeah, but... Sounds like the, a person's name. But you know what the, the Kobayashi Maru is in the Star Trek universe, right? Yeah, it's essentially a no-win situation. Yeah, where they're saving... You're supposed to save a ship called the Kobayashi Maru. <laughs> There's no real way to do it. Unless, in any sort of satisfactory way, unless you cheat. Unless you cheat. <laughs> but then we get to meet the first of our main characters, well, the two of them. We have Ogata, who's a young man that works for a salvage, and his girlfriend, Emiko, who is a nurse, maybe? Yeah, it's never really, like, stated, but she is doing nursing stuff in the latter half of the movie. Yeah, and so they they, they had tickets to go to a, a string quartet, but he's called in to, to help look for this missing boat. And they yeah, call in a new boat, boat, the Bingo Maru, which obliterated instantly in the same location. Yeah, it turns out this location not particularly good for boats to go into. Nope. So the the families of these sailors, the, the wives and their children, they're there at like the Coast Guard office, all panicked. And I like that they just they just have these kids just staring vacant at these <laughs> men talking. Probably just someone's kids that just happen to be on set at the time. It's not the same as kids in a Gamera movie, though. These no, kids... Godzilla is not a friend to all children. No. Not, at least not in this movie. And then they, they managed to find one guy that survived. Um, Masaji is his name. And he's like, oh yeah, man, the sea just exploded and everyone died. And like the Coast Guard has to keep the mob of widows out of the office. Yeah. Uh, we get more boats sinking. We get this. They're all actually around one place called Oda Island. Yeah, I'm not sure where that is. Again, geography of Japan is not my strong suit. I'm not sure where that is. I'm not but, sure, but it apparently doesn't have much of a population. No, it looks very small. Very small. Well, very... At, least it, 
At least during the time this movie was filmed. I don't know, it's probably urban sprawled its way into <laughs> giant amount of people now, but Yeah. But they're very rural and into their, their old traditions. Uh, because like this old man because it's like, oh yeah, those boats, it must be Godzilla. <laughs> it's a mythological creature in their culture. Yeah, they're like, oh, there's Godzilla crap again, Grandpa, there's no such thing. And he gets mad, he's like, shit, talking crap, I'm gonna feed you stupid cows to Godzilla. Yeah, he even mentions later that he used to sacrifice his <laughs> girls there, they just send them out into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, that, um, if... if the the fishing was poor. They would say that oh Godzilla is eating all the fish, so they would just throw some poor woman out to to feed Godzilla, which they don't do anymore. But they do this dance that's like a remnant of the ritual. Yeah, and um, we also so Agata and Amiko are on the island, and Amiko's dad is this paleontologist. We learned that. And, oh, his name is Paleontologist Professor Kyohi Yamane. Even though they never use his name again, he's just the professor after that. Yeah, he's pretty obnoxious. Ah, uh, yeah, he is. Uh, we'll get more into him, because he's a main character. Holy crap. So, I'm, I'm just looking at... Odo Island is, is not a real island, but it apparently was possibly part of the Bonin Islands, like, theoretically, which are some 600 miles south-southeast of Japan proper. So, it's kind of far away. Oh, much like, uh, uh what's that, 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 that southmost island that's like a resort? Like Okinawa? Okinawa, that's what it is. Which has a completely different culture. It's fascinating, Okinawa. It's like the Hawaii of Japan. Yeah, that's kind of a good way of describing it, yeah. Because it's so far away... Has its own culture own, and is mostly just like a resort. Own language. It used to be kind of rural, like like Odo Island. <laughs> yeah. Kind of rural. Anyway, that's a theory, but it's not a real place, so there's no actual location. We also get this young character, Shin, Shingechi, Shinjichi. I, I wrote his name completely butchered in here, so it doesn't make any sense. But he, uh, he is he like Amiko's younger brother or Ogata's younger brother? And I don't. The one that lives, I think he's Amiko's younger brother. Yeah, because there's a there's a. So big, I think he lives with uh, the professor. Yeah, there's a big storm that happens, like a big typhoon. And this dumb kid runs outside. There's people that die. There's these houses are just fucking totaled by this storm, and we get this epic music. We know something's happening, but we don't see it. Um, we learned that there were seventeen houses destroyed, and nine people died, and then twelve cows and eight pigs died on Oda Island. They give us that. Yes, they because they're having like a hearing about the basically the government relief, I guess. It seems yeah. like. And then uh, the paleontologist goes in. He's like, "Let's make a research team." Gotta and get that crypt, cryptid team going. Yeah, they get this, this cryptid team, and it's like they get on a boat, and it's like saying goodbye to the Titanic. There's, yeah, it is. Now that you mention that. There's, like, ticker tape and confetti flying, and everyone's smiling and waving. Christianing the boat. Or... Yeah. They make it to Oda Island. They're not killed by Godzilla. Nope. They must have bypassed. Actually, Godzilla is probably already on the way to Tokyo at this point. Well, not quite. Because, well, they, they investigate all the stuff around Oda Island. They find a big-ass footprint. Oh, yeah. He's still on the island. Duh. Yeah. They, they find a bunch of, like, very localized radiation. That's also why he doesn't destroy the boat, because he's not in the water currently. Yeah. Then they find a trilobite, you know, this is remnant from long yeah. ago. Yeah. And then Godzilla pops his head out behind a mountain and roars and then 
runs away. Yeah. That's all we get of him. He just pops his head out and goes, and that's it. Um, We don't see him again for a while, but we hear a lot about him because the professor explains all about Godzilla that he's, oh, he's from the Jurassic period and he somehow survived. And then underwater H-bomb tests destroyed his natural habitat, so he grew to 165 feet tall and is threatening us. Yeah, pretty much how that works out. Yep. And I like here where they argue about whether or not to make this information public. Because they're like, everyone has a right to know that there's a giant fucking monster gonna kill them. And they're like, yes, but he was made by hydrogen bombs, so if we bring that up, it's gonna look like we're opposing the Cold War. It's gonna ruin our diplomatic relations. Yeah. If we say uh, an evil H radiation monster is after us. Um, and this is also, there's a scene on the train where a woman is like, oh my god, I, I barely escaped Nagasaki when the bomb fell. And now this. <laughs> yeah, it's so casually, too. It's like. Yeah, and then um, we get this military style march as they get these, like, naval vessels all running out to sea to, to hunt Godzilla. And we're told it's like an armada of ten frigates. A lot of, a lot of fairly large boats. And they, they fire out all these depth charges, thinking, yeah, we did it. We're going to kill Godzilla. And the professor is sad. Here, here's, here's why we hate the professor. Oh, yeah. Because he's like, don't kill Godzilla. And it's he's- like, I mean, at, at this point, you kind of like, he's done a little bit of, he hasn't shown up and sort of just like annihilating everything at this point. Yeah. He's destroyed a couple of, uh, you know, he stomped through a village. And it sucks for those people, but, you know, is that any different than getting, like, a stampede through it or something like that? It hasn't been, like, it hasn't been, like, a national catastrophe yet. And so he's just like, we should just study this thing. Yeah, so for now his argument has weight, but he holds on to that. Way, way too long. Yeah, because we now, we have Tokyo. We get to see Tokyo now. Downtown Tokyo of 1954. And there's a there's a cruise ship sailing around out out there in the harbor, um, with everyone's dancing on it until Godzilla pokes his head out, and they just fucking panic on this ship. I mean, I would too. And um, but he doesn't like destroy it or anything. He just pops out, says hi, and then goes back down. <laughs> like watching like a whale watching tour, except with a big fuck all radioactive monster. Yeah. So we get these debates about what to do with Godzilla. How are they gonna destroy him? There's a line here that somebody says, Godzilla was baptized in the fire of the H-bomb and survived. What could kill it now? So, whoever did the translation is very poetic. Yes. Well, I, 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 I do not speak Japanese, so I don't know what the actual, like, original text says, but the translation makes it sound very poetic. Then we meet Dr. Serizawa with his one eye that he lost so in the war. Totally thought was a villain, because... Eye patch. Eye patch. Well, he kind of is for a minute later on. Like, like we don't initially trust this dude. Yeah, I mean, they kind of set him up to be like a bad guy. Yeah, because um, it's a it's a false bad guy. But and he knows Emiko somehow. They're engaged. Yeah, but then Ogata's proposing to her. Yeah. Well, there it might be an arranged marriage. This oh. was 1954 Japan. So later on, when Ogata is like, I'm going to ask your dad for your permission is he just asking for permission to be the the side piece (laughs) no i mean she seems like she's gonna call it off i mean this whole love triangle thing i i could have done without yeah 
And so they, they get this reporter that's like, ooh, what's the great Dr. Sarazawa working on? And he's like, nothing. Not a goddamn thing. Get out of my house. <laughs> There's nothing going on here. And then Amiko's like, okay, what are you really working on? He's like, well, come on down to my lab and I'll show you. And we don't quite see. We see he's got like all these fish. He's got the uh, classic 1950s mad scientist lab. Yeah. He looks like a villain, and then he uh, he puts something in the water, and then um, Amiko's like, Oh my god, no! But we don't really see what it is. We just see her go, Oh, it's terrible! And that's it. And then they walk out of the basement looking, and she looks very distraught. Yeah, and he's like, Don't tell anybody what you saw down there. She's like, I promise, until the end of pr- time, that I would never... And I promise that there was no rape involved in this, even though the scene <laughs> could, be constru- could be construed as such. But hey, it's our rape-free week. So, no. Spoilers is not rape. So, we get an air raid siren in Tokyo because Godzilla's coming. I mean, it's an effective thing to use. Yeah, and the army's there and ready, but they're they're firing their guns uselessly. Their, their guns don't work on Godzilla. And we get all of these shots that are very reminiscent of what was going on in Japan in World War II. Yeah. We have people being evacuated, going into underground shelters. You know, this is a bit of too soon kind of yeah i mean this is it's really close to i imagine this was pretty visceral for people at the time it came out yeah a lot of trauma that they're they're now reliving in this movie i think a lot of people that who have done you know analysis of this movie kind of miss that aspect of it oh it's a yeah i'll worry about you know nuclear weaponry and stuff it's like that's true but you also realize just how close this was yeah, these are the victims of the nuclear weapons. These people who are starring in this movie were all alive when this happened. Yeah, it's less than ten years later. Some of them were adults. Some of them may have been there or nearby before, or just left. Well, we have that one character that's well, the character, but I mean, Nagasaki. Nagasaki. I'm just saying, some of the actors and actresses, or directors, or producers, or crew members may have, you know just not happened to have been there that day but we're you know from there there were a lot of survivors and there was a word hibakusha that's what the the, the survivor of the bomb huh um and the, the the people that survived in hiroshima and nagasaki i don't know how many there were but i think just the the last one passed away recently it's amazing that people survived that yeah well they also include people that were not at ground zero but were affected. Yeah, I mean, there's always so much impact damage that early atomic bombs did, but the radioactive fallout had a little bit more uh, more extent. Yeah, um, and then there's also very few double survivors. Uh, yes, there were people who were there both times, right? Yeah, they're, they're called like double Hibakusha, and um, that they, they were in Hiroshima, and then it happened, and then they were in Nagasaki, and it happened again. You ever read, I'm not sure which one of the books, but Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, one of them has that, that whale that's like falling, and then there's like a plant that's falling, and it turns out the plant is like the same as the whale, like they're the same person. Huh. <laughs> they're both falling to their deaths just like at the same time, because <laughs> it's some, some sort of weird time, space-time thing. <laughs> that's, that's what that's like. It's like, man, your life is so... <laughs> Fate does not like you. Yeah. Well, that guy lived. He lived to be 93 years old, this one guy that survived both. Crazy. 
died in 2010 of stomach cancer. <laughs> good for good for him. Yeah, but there's a uh, all that is recent in the, the people of Japan when, when this movie takes place. So as they're evacuating everybody, there's all these people on a train. Godzilla comes and he just kind of kicks the train and then he fucks right off. <laughs> so we don't get the big giant Godzilla attack yet. Oh, they're, they're building towards it. They're like, we're going to build a gigantic barbed wire fence along the coast that's like 100 feet high and 165 feet deep with 50,000 volts of electricity. And so they, they start evacuating people again, and the military's ready. Godzilla just fucking walks through this fence like it's nothing. Yeah, because he was baptized in the fires of the H-bomb. Yeah, and um, Godzilla's descending on Tokyo, and that professor's like, oh, this is sad. They're going to kill Godzilla. Yeah, right. <laughs> Like Godzilla's stomping around, killing like people. moping about it while he's literally destroying everything. <laughs> and I think this is where um, Ogata's like, I'm going to ask your dad for your hand yeah. in marriage. Yeah. And the dad comes in just very depressed. He's like, they're going to kill Godzilla. What do you think, o Ogata? And he's like, well, I think they should kill Godzilla. He's, he's really dangerous. The professor's yeah. like, get the fuck out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Amigo's like, oh, bad timing, Ogata. You don't uh, want to ask him now. Yeah, let's, let's table that. <laughs> but we get all the, the military firing on Godzilla as he's taking out all these things, and then he gets his atomic fire breath, which, it's not his... His spine lights up, which I like that. They got that part. But the yeah. breath itself, it's still a work in progress. Yeah, it's 1954, eh? I haven't quite nailed the effect down yet. And um, we get the full destructive force of Godzilla. Tokyo is burning. He just stomps right through Tokyo. And there's just... This movie acknowledges that these people fucking died. There's that one woman that has the kids, like, in the street. And she's yeah. like, we're going to go join Daddy now. We'll be where Daddy is. Yeah. This is some Grave of the Firefly shit right here. Yeah, that's a, yeah. And um, we get these guys that are in, like, a, a radio tower that are describing everything. That Godzilla's leaving a sea of flames in its wake. Oh, no, he's going to destroy us. And he, he kills them. Um, Air Force comes in, but they, they, they can't kill him. And after Godzilla's made his, his tour through Tokyo, he, he leaves again. And we get the aftermath. Holy shit, the aftermath. All of these scenes. Uh, kids with their dead parents. Like... Just hospitals filled with people. They're, they're running. They're, there's radioactive children, which was exactly what happened after the bombs. Yeah. Emiko, this is where Emiko's doing some, some nurse stuff. Yeah. I'm like, I don't think there's any other kaiju film that deals with the reality of all of these dead people. Pacific Rim does a tiny bit. It's rare that you get one of these disaster films, for lack of I mean, it's specifically a kaiju. Disaster films in general very rarely step back and take a look at you know the actual catastrophe that exists beyond some yeah. buildings i mean like the kids crying over their dead parents i was like oh shit yeah you don't see that in roland emmerich movies no you don't um yeah i got here miko's doing voluntary work and she's so heartbroken so she goes to Ogaten's like, you know, I promised Sarazawa something, and um, I'm going to break that promise and tell you what he was working on. So we get a flashback. So the thing he dropped into the water, um, it, it bubbled, and it just fucking destroyed them fish. Yeah, it just stripped them to the bone. Yeah, like there's a flash, and then they're just bones. 
I was like, what the fuck? You made a fish vaporizer? What is this? It's a, uh, yeah. It's an oxygen destroyer. <laughs> That's what it called it. That's what it translated into, anyway. Yeah, I destroyed all the oxygen in the water. Okay, but it also took all their fucking skin and bone, but okay. Yeah, he ex- sort of explains it. Uh, I can't remember. He basically has developed some sort of biochemical weapon. Yeah, that's incredibly dangerous. And I'm not, like, it, not, uh, not intentionally. It was not made to be a weapon. It just happened to be destructive. And he doesn't want to let people use it because he knows people will use that technology to fuck each other with. Yes. And in fact, my notes here is like, why the fuck did you make this? Um, he's like, oh, just one small ball could turn all of Tokyo Bay into an aquatic graveyard. Okay, then why did you make it? And even Amiko asked that, and he's like, for science, like, just to do it. I think he's trying to discover some sort of new form of energy. Yeah. And just, it's definitely paralleling develop, developing the use of this and the use of the atomic bomb, because the atomic Atomic energy was not, you know, discovered and used as a weapon initially. It was just, you know, somebody saw it and goes, hey, we can make explosives out of this. Because humans are crazy. Yeah, well, Ogata is like, we gotta use this to kill Godzilla. And he's like, no, no, we can't. He he refers to it as a weapon of mass destruction. Right. And And it, it, it is. Yeah, he says, if the oxygen destroyer is used even one time, the politicians of the world will not sit idly by. They'll inevitably turn it into a weapon. A-bombs against A-bombs, H-bombs against H-bombs. As a scientist, no, as a human being, adding another terrifying weapon to humanity's arsenal is something I can't allow. And that's the crux of the whole fucking film. That's what the film is saying. I am become death, destroyer of worlds. Yeah, that... We keep making all of these fucking weapons and that we, we kind of should stop. Right. And they're like, what, are we just going to let that Godzilla keep keep running? Seriously, I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. And then um, Amiko just turns on the TV and it's this memorial. Um, and the, the guy's like, listen to these children sing from their hearts. And we have this like children's choir of girls singing this, this sad funeral song as we see like a ton of just dead people and, you know, hospitals all the tragedy just with this like prayer going on which my notes again say just like after hiroshima and nagasaki but it breaks surazawa and he's like okay you can use it but i'm going to destroy all my fucking notes where this is the only oxygen destroyer that'll exist he actually makes an interesting point earlier about how it even in his head is dangerous because humans are fallible and weak and who knows what might happen to him and might he be forced to give up the information? Yeah, he is worried about that, and um, which makes which makes his decision at the end of the movie uh, more significant. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because they go out and it's just they have only the one oxygen destroyer at sea, and Sirza was like, "Well, I'm gonna go down and and kill myself with it," and Ogata's is like, "No, no, I'm gonna go with you." And they go down to where Godzilla's asleep, and they walk around on the ocean floor. It's very quiet and sad in this scene. It's definitely some, an interesting choice for music here. Pretty mellow for a scene that is kind of intense. Yeah, and the film's climax is rather sedate. It's an emotional climax, not a big, giant, action-packed climax. Cause they... I, was, and I was wondering how common underwater filming was in 1954, too, because that was kind of cool. Well, yeah, you see, they got them old-ass dive suits. Yeah, they were filming underwater with it, which is... I can't imagine that was common in 1954. No. 
Well, maybe they weren't actually filming underwater. It's on a, on a stage, and they they have effects. To like a tank? Work. Yeah. Oh, maybe. It could have been in a tank, and the camera was outside filming the tank. Could be. But they, uh... Now, now I want to know how they did it. <laughs> Surizawa sets off the oxygen destroyer. Malogata is pulled back up. So Surizawa sacrifices himself. Yep. So nobody will to, ever know how to right. build this. Wants the knowledge to die with him. Yeah. And Godzilla's fucking dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just incinerated, turned into the fish. <laughs> yeah, just a big skeleton. And they never made any sequels. <laughs> nope, not a one. And then uh, Ogata has that, that significant line. He's like, well, if nuclear testing continues, then someday, somewhere in the world, another Godzilla may appear. And I fucking love this movie. <laughs> also, their fishing industry is completely fucked. Well, yeah, because the the oxygen destroyer killed all of the fish. Right, because he says that even one one little ball of it could just incinerate everything in the in the, in the Tokyo Bay. So, yeah, and he takes yeah, like a fucking. They're not catching not catching any fish for like the next like fifty years. That's why they had to go out and do whaling. You know. So there you go. I you know, it's interesting because there's definitely a lot of parallels, even right down to the decision to use this weapon versus like uh, using the atomic bomb sort of a desperation thing yeah but with the thing with the atomic bomb one of the reasons that the americans used it wasn't necessarily to bring a quick end to the war it was to show russia and you know the soviet union what we got it was kind of showing off of you know american weaponry to scare soviet union and and thus begin the cold war yeah there definitely was concern about the number of people, soldiers and civilians, that would die in a protracted land war in Japan. Yeah, there was concern. Whether or not that was founded is impossible to say. You do have a, a group of people who would were pretty defensive. And you have to realize that they viewed their their emperor as a living god yeah and if your god tells you to go out and die you 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 probably do it right so it would have been tough sledding it would have been but a big part of it was letting our enemies know hey we have this super weapon i mean they yeah they got to uh, metaphorically kill two birds with one stone with that maybe they could uh yeah they they stopped the land war before it happened and got to show off you know swing that big uh that big dick around, that big military dick around. And that, the Cold War was just a huge-ass arms race. Yeah, that developed a lot of, like, interesting modern technology, too. But yes, it was, uh... It's yeah. never been... Uh, nuclear weapons have never been used offensively again. <laughs> and hopefully never will be. Hopefully. I mean, there's still a lot of them around. There's less than there used to be, but there's still a lot of them around. And there's still comp- uh, countries eager to get them for the first time. Right. Both, you know, our major superpowers have been doing away with them, but still keeping them just in case. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem, right? It's like, they exist. So as long as one of them exists, you want to have one of your own, and then everybody wants more of their own. Well, they might so have the, two, so we should have three. Three, right. So you have this, like, stockpile, just, you know... It, as a contingency, so in case someone goes batshit, it's like, well, fuck it, I guess we're ending everything then. Yeah, and I think that our world has been held together for the past 80 years by mutually assured destruction. I mean, there's really something to be said about that. You have to have somebody pretty crazy in leadership that just wants to end everything. Yeah, I don't think we've had anybody that crazy. Yeah, I don't, I, I even, I don't think even, like, 
the height of the Soviet Union. I don't think anybody, you know, we in this country we vilify Stalin and and for good reason and and you know a lot of the Soviet leaders, but none of them was crazy enough to want to just be like, yeah, we, I don't want any planet anymore. Yeah, it's hard to rule something when everybody's dead. And every time we get a a crazy leader in the world, there's always that fear that are they that crazy? It's it's tough because I I feel like the kind of person who wants that level of power isn't the kind of person who wants to rule over nothing. Yeah, that's true. And so it would take a very strange combination of I want po- absolute power and also I want to rule over, you know, post-apocalyptic wasteland. I don't want to rule modern civilization. I want to rule the wasteland. Yeah, it would take a very specific person. I'm not saying it couldn't happen. I I, I think it is unlikely <laughs> to happen uh, in a reasonable frame of time. Yeah. Um, but this movie, I mean, those fears were greater back when this movie was made. Yeah. I mean, again, we're less than a decade away from actually the weapons having been used. And hydrogen, uh, you know, the, the the atomic bombs we dropped were small potatoes compared to what had been developed even by 54. Like those yeah. were small explosives. I mean, they were the most destructive ones that existed at the time. But then they except kept... for the H bombs, they just developed suddenly orders of magnitude stronger. Yeah, and then they kept making them stronger and stronger. Didn't Russia have one that was like 100, 100 megatons, or what was that thing? I think it's called the Tsar Bomba. There's a line in the 2014 Godzilla where they have a nuclear weapon. This guy's like, oh, are you sure that's going to kill these monsters? And they're like, this isn't the bomb from the 1940s. We're talking megatons, not kilotons. That they got to tell this guy that uh, bomb technology has improved a lot over time. 58 megaton Tsar Bombas, the uh, largest and most powerful nuclear weapon ever created and tested. Huh. 1961. Yeah. 58 megatons, which is a incredible amount of force. Well, I'm glad nobody's decided to try and top that. No, where do they they tested it? Island island north of Siberia, it looks like. Oh. Still. <laughs> Fire they had a fireball that created it was five miles wide. Good it lord. Was, it was prevented from touching the ground by the shock wave, but reached 6.5 miles into the sky. The altitude of the bomber that dropped it. Oh, did the bomber so, make it away? Um, it's a good question. <laughs> they were only given a 50, the The pilot was only given a 50, and his crew were only giving a 50, 50% chance of surviving the test. I think he did survive, though. Okay. The mushroom cloud could have been seen from 100 miles away. The crowd, the crown of the cloud is forty miles high at the time of the picture that they've taken of this. Oh, I should look up this uh this picture. I'm googling it now. Sar Bomba. Yeah, that's fla- freaking big. <laughs> the flare could have been. The flare was seen from six hundred and twenty miles away. They saw it in Norway, Greenland, and Alaska. Oh wow! Yeah, and and if everybody had weapons like this, yeah, there's no more world. Right. The blast wave circled the globe three times. Wow. Ooh. The seismic wave generated circled the globe three times as well on Earth. So, yeah. Glad we we don't do that no more. Well, kind of. (laughs) But anyway, so would you rather have the uh, 9 p.m. taco shop coffee or Gojira? Gojira. It's good. It it is a great movie. The American version that came out in 56 is awful. Yeah, I remember it being pretty damn cheesy. Well, they took out all the social and political commentary. So they, it was a five-minute movie. <laughs> but they added Raymond Burr. <laughs> yeah. 
And they have him interacting with the characters of this movie, but, like, they've completely redubbed the characters. So, yeah, their mouth is moving in Japanese, but they're they're saying completely different things in English. Do we uh, get a nice little white savior story? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, they have plenty of shots where they have a, a lookalike from behind talking to him, and then they'll cut to the footage from Gojiro, that character. It's literally a different film. Like, like it, It's like when you just take bits of a movie and then kind of like restring it together yeah and in that one there is a dr sarazawa is still there but he's apparently like raymond burr's good friend and when they're like hey you made an oxygen destroyer that'll kill godzilla can we use it he's like fuck yeah let's use it let's go (laughs) totally opposite character to this i mean can you imagine like this movie releasing like normally in the u.s like how Think about the the mental state of U.S. citizenry in 1954. We think we're we, we think we're slinging the big dong on the planet in 1954. No one can touch us. Yeah, there's a lot of arrogance. Yeah, American. I mean, there still is, but especially in the decade that followed World War II, there was a lot of American arrogance. Can you imagine something like that? How that would have gone over? Probably not very well. Um. Yeah, they, they they well, we don't want people to think our our nuclear weapons are bad. It's kind of the the point of that movie, right? Incidentally, in the 2014 Godzilla movie, yeah, the Ken Watanabe one. Yeah, Ken Watanabe plays Ishiro Serizawa. Okay. Um, his name is specifically after Ishiro Honda, the director of this movie, and the character of Doctor Serizawa. So it's really interesting that they kept that character. But anything else on Godzilla or Gojira? Oh, it's it's good. I wish I spoke Japanese, because I'm sure, even with the translation trying to do its best, I'm sure some of the nuance is lost. Yeah, there there always will be. And uh, so, yeah, I, you know, you get a movie that has cultural and, and philosophical ramifications, and you're not watching it in the native language. You're, you know, don't speak the native language. You're missing a bit of it, but it's, uh, it's, it's good. It's actually, the practical effects are great for the era, too. Yep. Man, they destroyed a lot of models. <laughs> yeah, they, oh, and you know what? The Godzilla costume, they didn't really have access to a lot of rubber. So some of that costume that this poor guy had to wear is cement. Oh, well, I guess you're going to get swole one way or the other. Yeah, the guy was a uh, a stuntman, but he played Godzilla for, for years. All of the uh, the movies up until, like... The 80s and stuff are this same dude. Hopefully by the 80s they gave him like a, a rubber suit that wasn't uh, Hopefully. related to cement. Hopefully, yeah. So, our bonus episode is 1998's Godzilla, the Roland Emmerich thing. Thing, yes. I, I think that is a good description. Thing. And like, what is it, like three hours long? Two hours and 18 minutes. <sighs> I don't know why we need a two hour and 18 minute Godzilla movie. But apparently Roland Emmerich thought we did. Yeah, it's... But yeah, that's our bonus episode. Next week, we'll be celebrating Mother's Day. Indeed. Uh, I'd like to point out, the 1998 Godzilla, the Godzilla in it, is a canonical character in the universe. His name is Zilla. Yes. I have plenty of notes about that for when we start that episode. So, rel- still actually relevant to the mythos of, of the universe. But, uh, well, as you see, as you'll see... Uh, Maybe not the greatest of movies. Yeah. So our subscribers for 99 cents a month will be able to to get the episode as it airs. Everyone else will have to wait a week for the bonus episode. You can subscribe by visiting us on Spotify. You know, you can also follow us on Twitter at Podcast Exploit. 
or email us at exploitapodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, good night. Good night.